Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. With the state of the world as it is right now, do you feel like you're living in a ball of chaos? Does your body itself feel like a body of chaos? In our culture, we find it normal to live in our heads, in a fragmented world absorbed in our own anxieties, the only imaginable state for people who mistakenly believe that the body is a machine. But at our core, we know better. New Self, New World is a new book that challenges this primary story of what it means and feels like to be human. Anxiety definitely runs like an undercurrent through our daily lives. We feel distracted and out of touch with our deeper purpose. These common feelings are the byproducts of an exceedingly cerebral Western culture. In New Self, New World, Renaissance man Philip Shepard explores the root causes of these feelings and presents practical solutions in terms so fresh that they open your eyes and your heart to a compelling reality. I'd like to welcome Philip Shepard to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you so much, Simran. I got a glimpse of you and was able to access this book uh, just a short while ago uh, at Andrew Harvey's Sacred Activism Institute conference. And I tell you, once I started reading the book, I couldn't put it down. There are so many concepts in here that just really opened my mind, opened my eyes, and made me go, wow, you know, we really need to look at who we're being and whether or not we're feeling, and are we being in a known self? Are we being in a felt self? How are we really acting in the world? Tell me what, to you, is the most important essence or mission of this book before we go deeply into what it's about. I guess that, for me, the, the essence of the book is that we've developed a story of what it means to be human over 10,000 years, and that story has become our normal to the extent that we don't see it. We can't get a bearing on it. It's, it's, it's like trying to see the, uh, the trees for the forest. Um, and the, so the main purpose or the essence of the book is to, to sort of peel back the veneers that, that lay over that essential story, uh, help the reader to understand it. And once you understand the story that is, in a sense, governing your, your actions, governing your life, governing your sense of who you are, then you acquire choice. Until, until you see those forces that, that are at work all around you, you really don't have any choice. Well, and, and it seems like as I go through the book, uh, it definitely covers a lot of areas, but it really is about the body rather than the ideas that we have about the body. It, it, it's like a, a very peculiar challenge that you take on when you're discussing the material in this book. Yeah, it's an odd. I mean, it, it's certainly an odd and maybe even ironic thing to write a book that's primarily about our neglect of the body. But, but you know, language itself is embodied, has rhythm. The the the, the, te- the text breathes in a way that I'm hoping will touch people's hearts and bodies as much as their minds. And and you're right. The the neglect of our body is maybe the foremost. Um, means by which our our story, the story we've developed, makes itself felt in our daily lives. 
Well, it's such a mirror to what's going on outside in the world because we see the abuse and the neglect and the disconnect that is going on outside in our world. When we look at, at countries like Haiti, when we look at famine, when we look at global warming, when we look at all the things that are going on in our world and how we're treating different aspects of our oneness, then, of course, the first place to start is with ourselves. And most of us really view this body as a machine and push it and push it and push it until we really wear it out. Yeah, and, you know, there's a, there's a phrase or a principle that runs through the book. As we relate to the body, so we relate to the world. And so we look around in general at the world we inhabit, and it seems to be a place of, of scarcity and strife and division, and those are the very qualities that we incorporate in the body. We, we divide the body in so many ways. We divide ourselves from our own breath. We divide ourselves from our, our inner senses, the, the space of inner, the sense of inner space within the body. And, and what, we, what we see in the world around us um, as you say, is a mirror of, of the state that we, we foster within, within the body, within the self. Now, it, it seems that we, you know, we're all after peace. We're, we're trying to attain peace in our lives. We're trying to obtain peace in our minds. But really, a lot of what most of us are doing is anxiety management rather than true peace. We are, we are victimizing ourselves as we become more and more estranged from this body that we push to this extent. Yeah, and we, you know, we we attach we attach ourselves to peace as as an aim, and we have a preconceived notion of what that is. But of course, that preconceived notion is shaped by our culture, and and our culture has so demeaned and neglected the feminine in all in all areas within the self, on a societal level, in our relationship to nature, that that you can't possibly achieve peace. Peace is, is um, a state of openness and expansiveness, and it's an embrace of all that is. And you cannot embrace all that is if you remain divided within yourself uh, from, from what we all have within us, which is a feminine side and a male side. So, Philip, where did we originally uh, buy into this separation consciousness, this idea that uh, we can't have wholeness or we have to create these kinds of events in our world to, uh, to help us keep living out this story. Its roots lie in the Neolithic Revolution, which was you know, roughly 10,000 years ago. And the Neolithic Revolution was that period in our history uh, during which we developed agriculture and we domesticated animals and built permanent settlements. But all of these um, developments are major ways of separating ourselves from the world and taking control. As soon as you develop agriculture, you, you now have ownership over this plot of land. It becomes mine. It no longer um, belongs uh, to the goddess as all else does. It's yours. And suddenly animals are vermin and, and other animals are meat and certain plants are weeds. And, and the whole world becomes divided by the, the agricultural agenda into good and bad. Um, and the same thing happens uh, when you build a house. You're your primary 
motive in constructing this house is to construct an interior space that is immune from or separated from the world of the goddess. So when you shut the door of your dwelling, you're shutting the door on the wind and the rain and the animals and the, the look of the sky itself. And, and, and so deep is that urge within us that we refer to nature as the great outdoors. So we could take that a step further and really look at how that caused society to evolve. So we started taking the trees and making them our homes, and all of a sudden the tree wasn't this living thing. It was now a two-by-four that was necessary and became a, a marketable good and a product and no longer had the same heart connection that we originally had uh, way back when. I couldn't I couldn't put it better. And in fact, you know, you look just prior to the Neolithic and the late Paleolithic um is sort of the Magdalenian period and it's it's considered to be uh sort of the original affluent society because because um people lived in such harmony with the world around them that that they spent you know, at best estimates, 15 to 20 hours a week gathering food, and the rest was available for social exchange and 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 talking and music and uh, all sorts of stuff. So, so that that agenda that we, I mean, the, the urge um, to start to wrest control over the world around us is is indicative of the male element within us coming to supremacy and 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 it's a necessary thing i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like it was the biggest mistake ever but but it has led us to the brink of a crisis at which we either come and marry the male element to the female element within us and that's you know it's not an idea it's a physical thing it's within the body or the male element will carry us to extinction so to play devil's advocate or to put forward uh, possibly what some of the listeners might be thinking, our evolution from that Neolithic period, our, our uh, methods of creating ways to survive or to just experience ourselves evolving, is that what that was? Or was it this unquenchable greed that we had to of power to take over everything? You know, how much of this uh, growth process where we did have to utilize trees or animals was absolutely necessary because everything that we've created today in terms of crises, it, it's like a snowball that just kept building. It is. Now, to me, the most interesting aspect of it is that, is that our center of experience, where we, where we feel our thinking within the body, migrated in the Neolithic, it was at the navel, and and they they have a the Indo-European roots are are the earliest uh, reconstruction of language we have, and navel um, turns up to mean the hub of a wheel, that that emptiness around which everything revolves, and in Sanskrit it turned up to mean relationship. But what happened was that center, if you if you look at language carefully over the centuries, you see that center shifting up to the the solar plexus or the diaphragm by the Greeks. Homer used a word freen that means both mind and diaphragm. That's 
where they could feel the mind. Similarly, the Egyptians, when they prepared a body for mummification, they threw the brain on the trash heap. Um, they took the internal organs and preserved them in jars, but the heart they left in the body because they knew it to be the center of thinking. And then by Plato's day, we ended up in the head. And it has been proven physiologically that we do have two brains. We have a cranial brain and we have the enteric brain, which is located in the gut. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about that when we get back. This is an indispensable guide to why a radically embodied divine humanity needs to be birthed right now and birthed fast. It shows us how to allow this bewildering and majestic destiny to be worked out in and through us, through divine grace. This book is absolutely a brave, magnificent manifesto for a new kind of divine human life, a life lived in conscious, dynamic harmony of illumined mind, impassioned and tender heart, and increasingly consciously divinized body. New Self, New World is a great new book that has just released by Philip Shepard. You can find out more about this on his website, philipshepard.com, P-H-I-L-I-P-S, H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com, or you can get it at uh, Amazon and some of the other book uh, venues online. So definitely come right back, and let's discover a little bit more about our new self and our new world. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. <laughs> 
we'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. New Self, New World, Recovering Our Senses in the 21st Century is a new book that has just been released uh, on Tuesday by Philip Shepard. I'd love for you to visit his website. You can actually read the intro and the foreword by Andrew Harvey uh, on that website, which is philipshepherd.com, and that's Philip with one L and Shepherd, uh, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. This book has three ways of understanding ourselves, and it allows us to go into this as a radical contribution. We can find out that there's a new model of human consciousness, a new vision of our evolutionary history, and a new vision of the interrelated environmental, political, social, and economic crises that now threaten our survival and demand a collective evolutionary leap in embodied divine consciousness. Philip Shepard proposes a conscious, sacred marriage of what he calls the marriage of the two brains of the human being. Philip, we talked a little bit, very briefly, ending in the last segment, about the two brains and and how we have migrated from that that brain that was down in the gut uh, and it went moved up into the heart and then it, it ended up in the, the, the mind. And uh, there's a masculine and a feminine force that's at work here, and we somehow along the way lost the feminine energy. There's so much talk now about getting back to the feminine. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the waking up of our culture to the need to get back to the feminine is is so wonderful. Um, my my deepest understanding tells me it will never never happen until we we uh, reconcile ourselves with the bodily intelligence. So we we think we think of inte- we've come to believe that intelligence is our abstract faculty of reasoning and an IQ test measures exactly that but intelligence is no other than sensitivity so there there is there is a sensitivity to arithmetic relationship for sure there's also a sensitivity to a child's mood and a sensitivity to the flight of a swallow there there are sensitivities that our hearts and minds have yet to begin to open to and those sensitivities come to us through the body and largely through the female center of intelligence, which is that brain you talked about. It's the brain that sits in the pelvic bowl. And we have developed what I call in the book a unipolar intelligence. In other words, our intelligence is stuck in the pole of the head and its natural state, the, the state that 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 if we're to save ourselves, we need to evolve into is an exchange between the male pole in the head and the female 
female pool in the belly. And is that uh, sensitivity equivalent to intuition, or is that something different? Intuition is one aspect, for sure, of that sensitivity. But, for, for example, um, Polynesian sailors can sit in a boat on the ocean and feel five distinct wave patterns at any time. And from those wave patterns, they know where the islands lie way beyond the horizon. That's another sensitivity. There's a, a friend of mine um, was in school as a, as, a, as a boy, stood up in the middle of a lesson and ran home. And as he came through the door, he saw his mother in the pool of blood on the kitchen floor. She looked up at him and she said, thank God, Jack, I promised you would come. That's another kind of sensitivity. But, but what we've done is we've retracted into the brain and the head, which is insensitive. You can cut into it as a surgeon without needing anesthetic. And, and we, we, when, we, when we seek to get in touch with some of the other sensitivities that make up our fully embodied intelligence, we, we talk about getting in touch with the body. But it's a model whereby, whereby we're still sitting up in the head and maybe trying to string lines of communication so we can, so we can maintain or service the body better. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a model that's, that is, is misleading us. Well, and, and when I looked at the book, when you first open up this, the very first part, really, I, I had to laugh to myself because I've had this conversation in my own head so many times, and it's entitled Doobie Doobie Doo. <laughs> and, you know, particularly those people that are on their path and, you know, seeking enlightenment and, you know, being the light and all of that, there's always the conversation of just being. And yet so much of our society in this Western culture is doing, you know, and, and there's this this constant question and, and tug of war of, well, if I'm so busy doing, how do I be? And if I'm so busy being, how does anything get done? But you call it a case of mistaken identity. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, if, you, if you were to characterize our two distinct brains, you would, you would say, well, the, the brain in our head is where we can consciously think, which is the doing aspect, because all doing is guided by idea. And the brain that, that lies in our belly is where we can consciously be. And, and as a culture, we've lost that ability. We place doing ahead of being. And all the, the sort of ancient mystics that address the subject tell us that being has to come first. So whatever you do, if it arises from your being, then you are, you are doing it as a whole. If it's not, if it's, if it's, if it's being driven and guided by idea, then you are in a divided state. And so it's really necessary to get in touch and reclaim, uh, or not even reclaim, but rediscover perhaps that sensitive nature, that sensitive peace that's in our gut, and then we'll be guided as to what to do. There's a, there's a, you know the book, um, The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Doidge? It, it talks about neuroplasticity, which is the sort of this new field of inquiry that has found that the brain is, uh, the brain and the head is phenomenally adaptive. And, and the phrase, a phrase recurs through his book over and over and over, which is, 
is the necessity of paying close attention. That, more than anything else, um, is, the, is the generative force behind neuroplasticity. And, and we, we have no um, social structures in place to help us pay close attention to the body. And it requires a deep, deep passivity on the part of the male element to drop down into the body and come to rest on the pelvic floor and just pay attention. And there is a universe of currents and shimmering and exchanges. And, and very often when you first drop down, it's a place of chaos. But, but, but the more frequently you visit, so to speak, that inner universe, the more you come to recognize and help it find its harmony. Now, Joseph Campbell described that we have the hero and the tyrant, uh, and, and, and you, you state in the book the differences between them, that the hero is his self-achieved um, su- submission, recognizes his spiritual center of gravity in the unknown present, and the tyrant is identified by self-achieved independence and seeks seclusion in the known self. So, first of all, talk about what the known self is, and how does this this uh, battle between hero and tyrant, or discovery of one and the other within us, play out so that we can get back to our wholeness? Yeah, it, it, it's you know, Krishnamurti, uh, the great uh, Indian sage and, and philosopher was talking to David Baum at one point, and he said, you know, I think that our greatest difficulty lies in knowledge. And Baum wrote this marvelous article called Knowledge as in Darkenment. And, and it goes totally contrary to, to our sort of cultural paradigm. But, but we construct an idea. We, we come to, to know what we are. We, 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 we know who we want to be. We have an image of the self that we construct meticulously in, in various ways and pattern. And that idea of the self never belongs to the present. And as long as we are governed by the idea of what we should do and how we should do it and who we really are, you know, that, 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 that thing of, 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 of knowing, knowing who you are in the abstract is the most powerful force that will take you out of the present because the present will always surprise you with its revelations of who you are at this moment. And, and what happens when we, when we establish our construct of the self and, and it's complemented by a construct of the world, so our labels and ideas for the world come to substitute for the living, sensual reality of it. And we, we no longer connect with the teacup because we look at it and say, we've labeled it, we know what it is, and, and as soon as we know what it is, we have no capacity to discover it anew. And we, we in effect, become tyrants over ourselves because we have our ideas about the world and ideas about the self, and we we run our lives according to them. So when and, we decide that we know who we are, 
we actually are limiting the expansiveness of of what we are in the present moment because we are staying in a place of the past. Yeah, yeah. You're staying in a place that is static and fixed and it's it's really like a siege mentality. You you hold this idea of who you are like a like a buttress against the world. And and if your idea of who you are is attacked, you feel defensive. You feel you're being attacked. We confuse that idea with the self, and 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 then the self languishes for want of of a real exchange with with the world around us. So actually, the statement "Know thyself" we need to really look at as "Unknow thyself." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Here's a funny thing because "Know thyself" came from uh, Delphi, and and for the ancient Greeks, when they said "Know thyself," what they meant was was know 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 the world through yourself, know the self through the world. When when Heraclitus talked of logos. He didn't think of reason as being a possession. We have reason because it's a property of the world around us. New self, new world. Recovering Our Senses in the 21st Century is an amazing book by Philip Shepard. I hope you'll go to his website, philipshepard.com, P-H-I-L-I-P-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com. New self, new world makes it fiercely clear that now our habitual neglect and ignorance of the center of our feminine intelligence, the second brain, is part of the much larger and now blatantly lethal denigration of the feminine in all of the values that govern our rapidly and more distorted and destructive relationships to each other, to creation, to the political, social, and economic worlds we create and continues to keep going. It's time now to know the new self and the new world. We'll be right back with Philip Shepard. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. 
results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone We'll need to perform a surgical biopsy. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Who you are really is the part of you that can center itself in the energy of the present, which is and always will be unknowable in any objective way. Appreciating that, you can also appreciate that the all-generating void, the unknown realm into which the hero ventures, is a representation of the unknowable present. For within its deep stillness lies the deepest unknown realm in all of reality. In this way, you can dismantle the mistaken identity that you've created and through this wonderful new book new self new world recovering our senses in the 21st century by philip shepherd you can now access many exercises and tools that will facilitate the uncovering of your new self and the uncovering of our new world I just, I, there's so many places in this book we could go to. If you could see my book, Philip, you would see it is so dog-eared and underlined because there's so much information in here. And it is a guide to really give people information, but it is also a wonderful tool that helps people to uh, access methods to connect to that body, to really connect back to the world. Talk a little bit about how you see a person using this book to really get themselves to the new self. Well, I mean, as you describe your your dog-eared, marked-up copy, that uh, that's that's my dream. I, I hope people take up the book and read it and question it. And really, I I intended the book as a tool to facilitate questioning, and and it certainly facilitated my own questioning for for the nine years it took me to write it. Um, but it's it's also a question. You know, the, the embedded in our word question is the word quest, and a a quest is is an awakening to possibility, an awakening to to finding your personal relationship to the world. It's an awakening to the necessity that the world calls forth from you. And so, uh, the book is is a tool to that too. I mean, in in saying it's a tool to facilitate questionings, it's it's the, the, if a reader. If a reader goes into the book and tries the exercises and and um, considers the ideas of it, um, I, I, I don't think they would come away unchanged, and I think the change would be all for the good. I certainly agree with that, and there seems to be a movement that is happening across the world, and it is one of community. 
so it, it does seem as if that whole sacral area of the body is really trying to birth through so many that there's there's a consciousness that we do need to get back to that feminine. We do need to get back to our guts and our relationships and our community and, and all of that type of being. So as we are moving into that direction, our world is kind of falling apart in different areas. So when you have in the title New World, what is that new world that's birthing? Well, it's two things because because first and foremost, when when you another way of thinking about the difference between the two brains is that the the brain in the head is is our faculty for systemizing. We build systems, and these are abstract systems and and uh, representations of world and self. The brain in the belly is is where we come into relationship. And so the first part of the new world is that when you open yourself to your own passions and vivid truth and 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 unthinking wakefulness to the world around you, the world will be reborn as you are. The second part of that is that is that when you when you discover that as 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 the Greeks knew, as reason is not something that is contained in the head the way words are contained in a book. The Greeks knew reason belonged to the world and when you when you open the body to its sensitivities, then you discover that the world is speaking to you continually and with the intimacy with which a mother speaks to her child. And then you'll find that the world is asking you to respond, to harmonize with it, to help it, to be engaged. Well, and that brings about um, the word listening for me. Because I think so many people, when they go to listen to something, whether they're listening to the words that they're reading through a book or they're listening to a conversation uh, with someone else, we often have our own perceptions and agendas and everything that we're carrying into that before we actually listen. Part of what I'm hearing through this book is that we have to get to a place that we're so open that we listen with such attentiveness and such... uh, hanging on every word as if something that that other person or that book is saying is going to be uh, the answer to to a question that we've had, is going to literally save our life. But we can't really get there as long as we maintain that control over everything that comes from the mind. No, and there's that great quote in the book from Alan Alda, the actor, who said, real listening is the willingness to be changed. And so when you truly attend to the world through all of your awakened sensitivity, the world will change you. And and if you resist that change, you will stop listening. It's it's really as simple as that. And our listening is mirrored back to us and, and you put it in here about even our political leaders, that if we really want to uh, reinforce the image or know the image that we have ourselves of ourselves, that we often elect political leaders to answer the needs that we have. Yeah, we, we, all, we all carry this, 
this idea of, of, of who you know yourself to be and, and you want to defend it and you want to reinforce it. And one way to reinforce it is to, is to find its complement um, in, in, a, in a fantasy that's held up uh, either through a political leader or a rock star or whomever it might be. And, and uh, I, I genuinely think it's true. Politicians, the, the cagey ones, learn how to reflect back uh, the, the certainty that, that um, people strive to have about who they are. And, and that certainty is, is again, it, it's disconnected from the present. And so it, it, it borders onto fantasy because, because it's, a fantasy is what happens when you isolate yourself from the present. It's what happens if, you, if somebody goes to an isolation chamber and you close the door on them, you come back in a little while, they've gone mad. The isolation breeds fantasy. And the more we isolate ourselves within our individual rights and within what we feel to be our isolated bodies in a shattered world, the more we yield to fantasy and the more we seek it. And so as we move into the felt self, as we allow the axiomal uh, alignment and the one purpose, um, as we, and, and one of the exercises you talk about is about just our posture is, is mm-hmm. one of those uh, things that really shows how misaligned we are in terms of our lives, in terms of our bodies, in terms of our world. Yeah, I mean, you, you can, once you understand that people, by shifting into the heads, we've disconnected our thinking from our being, which is like saying we've disconnected our thinking from, from our reality. And we've also disconnected our hearts from our being. So our hearts are no longer supported by the luxurious, deep, richness of our being they're 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 sort of running on empty because there's this disconnect between between that that huge pelvic place of relationship and the heart and so as the heart collapses what happens is the chest falls we become rounded and our 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 uh, our necks become bent and you have only to to stand on any street corner and watch people go by and you'll see the effect of the collapsed heart in how they hold their bodies and so as we align ourselves there's there's also an earth grid system there's an axiotonal line system is that helping us then to get everything in alignment from all the way throughout? And you called there's a trinity of the solar system and the earth. And um, does all of that then come into more and more alignment as we straighten out just ourselves and our bodies? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, this, it's that balance between sensitivity and closure because, because the more the body is closed in upon itself, the less sensitivity it has. Um, the more it opens uh, and softens to the humming present all around, um, the more it's supported by the present, and the more it comes into conversation with the present. And and it's you know it's once you understand that, then you start to think, well, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I should soften to what is and just see where that takes me. And if we allow ourselves to just follow the heart's compass, 
if we can have the courage to not refuse the call, to get in touch with our guts, to allow ourselves to take that highway back from the mind, down through the heart and back into our sacral area. We will build community. We will build connection. We will build a new self and we'll build a new world. When anxiety runs like an undercurrent through our daily lives and we feel distracted and out of touch with our deeper purpose, it's time to access the tools that can get us there. New Self, New World is filled with exercises and tools that will facilitate personal growth into a new self, new world. I'm with Philip Shepard today. You can access his information at philipshepard.com. I urge you to go there and read the introduction and the foreword and then personally get your own book and mark it up and dog ear it. We'll be right back with Philip Shepard. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Just what is Skills USA? Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. Find out more on the web at skillsusa.org. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific time on 7th Wave Network, 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Listening on a higher dimension, 7th Wave Network. 
1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Culturally speaking, living in the head is the elephant in the room. It dominates all we do, and no one seems willing to have a conversation about it. New Self, New World initiates that conversation. This book shows that living in the head is a form of self-supervision by which we withdraw from the sensations of the body, thereby creating the essential division of self-consciousness. Standing apart from our being spectators in our own lives, we intervene in them and resort to telling ourselves what to do. We're so constantly in that state of self-supervision that we habituate to it and then make us susceptible to the supervision of others, so much so that we often barely notice when it happens. I urge you to take a look at philipshepherd.com and allow yourself to read the introduction and the foreword of this wonderful new book, New Self, New World, Recovering Our Senses in the 21st Century. Philip, I want to give a little bit of an idea to our listeners about what the felt self is. There is the known self that is very much connected to the mind, who we really believe ourselves to be, that uh, is not completely accurate and not in the present. What is the felt self? Well, here's an interesting thing, Simone. If you, if you think about it, you realize that in general we are incapable of feeling the self as a whole. We can feel our emotions or we can feel our fingers, we can feel our thoughts, we can feel our relationship to the room, but, but, to, but to feel the self as a whole is something we have deprived ourselves of, um, you know, in this, in this 10,000 year long journey of, of creating a story of what it means to be human. Ultimately, the story tells us that, that the world is shattered, the self is shattered, and it, 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 it disallows that ability to feel the self as a whole. And the felt self is just that. It's the ability to come to rest in the center of your own being, in the center of that sensitivity that is awake to all the world and everything, every current in your body, every whisper from the world around you is a part of what you feel as the self. It's all part of what makes you, you at this moment. So we have created the world up until this point because of our actions and our thoughts and our beliefs from the Neolithic period. If at this point we were to continue uh, really participating and knowing ourselves, the known self, what would the outcome of the world be? And if we allowed ourselves to really do the work and get in touch with our body and access the felt self, what would that outcome be? Oh, good, good questions. If we continue on the path we're on, we will try to solve all of our problems by, by gaining more perspectives and more ideas and more information. And the problem with that is that we've forgotten how to integrate. 
we don't know how to integrate our ideas and integrate our beliefs. Um, and that integration can only happen when the female aspect of our consciousness is activated. And so if we, if we continue along that road, it will be, it will be the, the road of dire unintended consequences um, and we'll consume the planet. The, the alternative, you know, I, look, I go downtown and I look at a skyscraper and, you know, anything you build is an image of, of, of the self. It's, it's, it's a projection of the self. And these skyscrapers stand and thumb their noses at nature. They announce nature to be an irrelevance, except maybe as decoration. And, and why, why do they hide the rainfall? Why don't they gather the rain on the roof and let it be a waterfall down one side of the building with, with moss, with whatever? But, but, but celebrate nature, recognize our, our absolutely fragile interdependence on it, and, 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 and our image of the self will create an entirely new world. I mean, you look at an automobile, and the automobile is a skull, and the music inside it is like the chatter inside our heads, and it's sealed up as tightly as we seek to seal up the self in the, in, in the face of a hostile world. But the world is hostile because that's what we've done to our own bodies. We've, we've been aggressive and 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 hurtful in, in dividing up our own bodies and our own sensitivities. Wow, wow. And with all of the uh, fast pace that we're moving at, I mean, when you just look at the Internet alone, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, hardly being able to keep up with every new thing that comes out, is that a movement into community, or is that more of us still falling victim to that uh, greed, that tyranny, and that known self aspect. My my deepest hunch is that these these media are not helping to find us rest within ourselves, but they're they're promising um, uh, um, kinds of experience that are 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 wholly reliant on the acquisition of more and more information and knowledge. And and as long as we're incapable of resting within the self, you know, our our we we try to solve all our problems without ever addressing the fundamental question, what keeps us from being present? And in my experience unless unless the new media are used with great, great care, they they utterly fail to help us recognize what it is that keeps us from being present. And in the very brief time that we have left, so if we're in this state, and we certainly can't go back to the way we did things before the Neolithic period with where we are now, how do we tool the new human? And how do we access and really live from the felt self? The... the we don't want to go back to the Paleolithic because that was that was also imbalanced in a sense in that the male element was underdeveloped. But at this point, our consciousness is unipolar, and the the felt self is an axial consciousness. It's an openness of the body and to all the currents of intelligence that run through it. And the female brain and the male brain are in balance, and in our lives, being comes first doing arises out of being and is empowered thereby. 
being comes first and the doing arises out of being. Tell me what you gained personally in your journey through the nine years of writing this book. What were your big aha moments? And I know there's so many in the book, but personally, what was it for you? Writing the book was the biggest adventure of my life, and and the aha moments happened within the profoundest subtlety I could I could land in with my entire being, and the book in when I was in those places, the book wrote itself. And so the, the, the doing, the writing of the book came fully out of the being of the moment. And I've never had an experience in my life as, as profound and rich and awesome as that was. Wow, that's amazing. And I fully believe that we teach what we need to learn. And when we teach it, when we do learn it, and it comes through as a gift for humanity, it is anointed with that knowledge so that we receive the energy from that that wonderful masterpiece. And I really urge people to to access Philip Shepard's website, philipshepard.com. The new book is called New Self, New World, Recovering Our Senses in the 21st Century. It is our personal responsibility to really access the tools, the techniques, the masters that are coming forth with this information at this time so that we can all take part in the responsibility of saving our world, in saving our planet, in saving ourselves. So definitely go to his website, philipshepherd.com, and order your own copy of New Self, New World. And not only order your copy, allow yourself to form a small group that you can study this and really support each other in making the changes in your own life. Philip, I want to thank you for being 1111 Talk on 1111 Talk Radio. My guest next week is Karuna Erickson, and we're going to be speaking about heart yoga, another way to get in touch with the heart and in touch with the body so that we can become sacred activists in the world. I'm Simran Singh. I've enjoyed being with you, and I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Until then, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Shift happens.